I've got one point tonight. It's two words. And it's this. Jesus fishes. Okay? Jesus fishes. Jesus being the noun. Fishes being a verb rather than Jesus. And fishes. It's Jesus fishes. Okay? That's, that's what we're doing tonight. So we're going to read it and hopefully um, it'll make some sense even as we begin to read it. But think about it. Summary. Jesus fishes. Let's have a look. Luke 5 verse 1. One day, as Jesus was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, the people were crowding round him, round him and listening to the word of God. He saw at the water's edge two boats left there by the fishermen who were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. When he'd finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into deep water and let down the nets for a catch. Simon answered, Master, we've worked hard all night and haven't caught anything. But because you say so, I will let down the nets. When they'd done so, they caught such a large number of fish that their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord! I'm a sinful man! For he and all his companions were astonished at the catch of fish they had taken. And so were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, Simon's partners. Then Jesus said to Simon, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will fish for people. So they pulled their boats up on shore and left everything and followed him. Jesus fishes. Let's start in verse 1. Work our way through. So here we have Jesus. He's, he's by this lake. And what do we have in verse 1? We've got crowds of people around him. And he says that they were listening to the word of God. So Jesus is preaching the word of God and they're listening. And actually, we saw last week as well that there was a lot of, there's been a lot of preaching going on. Jesus is doing a lot of that. I mean, flick back the page to chapter 4, verse 18. Um, When Jesus read from Isaiah, there's a lot of talk about proclaiming good news, proclaiming freedom. So there's a lot there. And then we saw, didn't we, Jesus speaking and driving out demons, speaking and healing people. And then this thing in chapter 4, verse 43, his agenda, I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns also. That is why I was sent. His mission is preaching. So clearly a huge part of Jesus' sense of his own mission is proclaiming, proclaiming what? Verse 1, the word of God. Now, don't rush over that. You've got to, when you're in the Gospels, slow down, look at the details. He's proclaiming the word of God. Now, it doesn't mean he got open his Hebrew Bible, another scroll, and just started reading from it. That would be kind of speaking the word of God if you read from the Old Testament, wouldn't it? You can speak the word of God in a sense. If you read out the Bible, you're speaking the word of God. But this is different. When Jesus preaches, you can describe it as he's speaking the word of God. In a way that if you start talking, I'm not going to go, ah, Evan's speaking the word of God just because he's talking. When, When Jesus gets up to preach, he is speaking the word of God. How come he speaks the word of God? Well, back to that mission in 4 verse 43. I must proclaim the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns. That is why I was sent. By who? By God. So Jesus' words are 
his father's words, God's words. He sent him to proclaim these words. They're God's words. This message of good news of the kingdom is what God himself has given Jesus to preach. God is speaking when Jesus is speaking. We talked in the first week about those centuries of silence from times in like, like in Isaiah. People came back from the exile. They were rescued, but this wasn't the real rescue. And there was silence and silence and silence. God speaks when Jesus speaks. So verse 1, God is proclaiming, Jesus is proclaiming the word of God and people are listening. Let's just think about our world and our church and our life, because I think preaching can feel pretty stupid to us. Do you remember in the first week what the people demanded of Jesus? Physician, heal yourself. Do something cool. Do some miracles like you did in Capernaum. But here, the thing that is going to bring people into the best year ever are words. But preaching feels kind of stupid until you remember that Jesus' words are the words of God. People are actually listening to God speak. And when we hear this phrase, the word of God, I'm going to open up the word of God and we're going to speak the word of God, that can feel so domesticated, so dull to us. But think about it, when Jesus preaches, they are hearing the words of their maker, the words that spoke galaxies into being, like we've been reading in Genesis 1 on Sundays. They're hearing that voice. It's extraordinary. And yet, today, many churches, in their services, in times like this, will just be giving advice, five steps to becoming a better you, with a few kind of Bible verses thrown in. It's basically the stuff you'll find in Waterstones in the kind of self-help section, but baptised. Because preaching the gospel has become kind of embarrassing. And actually what's much more popular, what's going to get us a little round of applause from the world, is if we can do loads of stuff. A bit of social activism, people are going to like that. Also, we're going to like that, because it feels like we're really doing something. But when you tell someone the gospel, you can't see anything happen. I was um, with some friends the other, the other night, I run a vinyl club, and I got to chat about the gospel with uh, this Japanese friend of mine. It was great. But I didn't see anything happen. She kind of listened and nodded. I was like, yeah, change your heart. I can't see anything. The problem is that after a while, when we don't see anything happen, we begin to think that nothing is happening. What do you think Jesus of Luke 5 verse 1 would say to that kind of attitude? In Jesus' mind, the kingdom of God is good news to be proclaimed. Jesus believes that his words are, will, are what will get people into the kingdom, into salvation, into this rescue, into the best year ever. Do we believe that? Have we begun to believe that when we speak about Jesus, it's blah, blah, blah. It's just words bouncing off people. Jesus preaches. He knows that's what people need. Do we know that's what people need? So we've seen Jesus doing some preaching, but I've said that we can sum this up with Jesus fishes. And we haven't seen Jesus doing any fishing yet. So why preaching? Why not Jesus preaches? That would be that would be good. It rhymes kind of as well. And preachers like that kind of thing. Well, it gets fishing in verse 2. So we've had him preaching the word of God. Have a look at verse 2. Um, he saw at the water's edge two boats. Look, look at the details again. Left there by the fishermen. We don't need to know that it was left there by the fishermen. It could have just been two boats. But Luke wants to tell us who were washing their nets. That's what fishermen do. 
He got into one of the boats, one of the fishing boats, you remember, the one belonging to Simon, he's going to pop up in a moment, and asked him to put out a little from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the people from the boat. So Jesus has got into some boats. Big deal. But not just any boats. Like we said, these are boats left by fishermen. So Jesus gets into some fishing boats, into a fishing boat. And we get the name of Simon the fisherman and they're, they're, they're with him because he says, Simon, can you push out? So he's, he's in a fishing boat with a bunch of fishermen. So what does it look like Jesus is doing? Fishing. He's in a fishing boat with some fishermen saying, do you mind putting out a little bit? It looks, he's giving all the appearance of being a fisherman. And what does he do? Then he sat down and called the people from the boat. So is he fishing or is he teaching people the word of God? Yes, he is. Jesus has made his preaching the good news look a lot like he's kind of fishing. I think he's being very deliberate about that. Why does he do that? Well, there's some kind of practical considerations here. Again, look at the details in verse 1. We've got this crowd around him. So there are loads and loads of people. And so now Jesus gets into this fishing boat. So he's back off the shore a little bit and he can start teaching all of the people. So they can all begin to hear the word of God from Jesus. How is that like fishing? Well, there are different ways you can fish. And I should know because I once caught a fish. A little sea bream in Australia and it was this big and I had to throw it back. Anyway, so I know what I'm talking about. Fishing, I've seen it in films, uh, if you, you can get the spear, you know, and just like get a, you know, fish. Ah, missed it. Kind of golem sound. <laughs> Grab it. But that's going to be slow and that's going to be hard work. Or the other method, apparently, nets. Cast out a net. Why? Because you get loads of fish if you go that way. So by getting into the fishing boats, Jesus is trying to get his words to as many people as possible. It's kind of like he's fishing with a net. Think about it this way. Imagine there's an alien invasion. Let's change gears slightly. Imagine there's an alien invasion, and these aliens have unleashed on the whole world a virus that makes people slaves of these alien overlords uh, to do their bidding, to basically kind of be zombies and follow them. But you have found a cure for this virus that the alien overlords have infected everybody with. And you distill this cure down into this little liquid. And you want to find a way, of course you do, to get this cure to other people. So what you could do is find one person. You could find Stephen. And you could say, Stephen, here's, here's the answer. Great. Sorry, you're welcome. <laughs> and I can feel pretty good about myself. I've, I've helped someone. I've cured him. We can be non-zombies um, together. Or you can find a way to get the antidote to as many people as possible. You're going to want to develop some kind of contraption to, to make it sprayable across the whole world so everyone can be released from these evil alien overlords. That's what you're going to want to do. And Jesus comes along and he's got the cure for our captivity to sin. He has the antidote, which we've been told already is the message of the good news of the kingdom of God. So he could find one person. He could find Simon and say, Simon, let me tell you about the good news of the kingdom of God. And go, done my mission. Told someone, told someone about the kingdom of God. They're following me now. But that would be like trying to catch a fish with a spear. Job done. But he wants to get the cure to as many people as possible. So he fishes. 
Nets are a fisherman's contraption to get as many fish as possible. Fishermen don't just want, want one fish. Gollum wants one fish. Fishermen want loads of fish. So like fishing with a huge net, Jesus gets into the boat to speak to as many people as possible. Because he's, he's not only got the cure, he is the cure that they need. Later on, and you're going to see this in your study, he's going to recruit some other people to help him with this fishing, telling people the word of God. He will call them to fish for people. So do you see now why Jesus goes to these slightly strange lengths and Luke details for us, making his preaching look a lot like he's fishing. To make this point, like fishermen, like fishermen want more fish than ever, Jesus wants more people than ever in the kingdom of God forever. Now, there's a snag with the fishing image though. Because what do you do with a fish when you caught it? <clears throat> dead fish. Not the best you ever for the little fishy who you just caught. It's a dead fish now. So this maybe doesn't work. But actually, down in verse 10, when um, have a look at it. When Jesus says, don't be afraid, from now on, he's talking to Simon and these other now disciples. From now on, you will fish for people. The, the word for fish, for catch there, is actually this, and I, the idea of catching Alive. It's, a, it's the word for catch and life kind of fused together. So it's not catching something dead, it's catching it to be alive. You know um, when you go to garden centres, when you were a kid, you went to a garden centre, and the best thing about garden centres was the aquarium section. It's like a free aquarium. You know when parents didn't want to pay for anything, so they just took you to the garden centre and you wandered around, and you had a free aquarium. This kind of fishing is more like going to the aquarium, buying all the sad little fish in their tanks and taking them home to be alive rather than fishing to kill it. This is catching fish to to take them home, to be alive. Jesus fishes, that means he proclaims to as many people as possible, like casting the net, so that these fish can come home alive, so that people can be made truly alive. He's rescuing them doing what he said he'd do back in chapter 4, release them from captivity. Captivity to sin. Captivity to the kingdom of Satan we were thinking about last week. Into the kingdom of God. Eternal life. So can you see how this links then with our summary for the whole section? That Jesus starts the best year ever, casting the net for more people than ever to be in his kingdom forever. Do you remember after Trump's inauguration, when he claimed that more people than ever came to his inauguration compared to everybody else's? Um, and then everyone went, let's look at the photos. And they like just the, it just went around on the internet, the two photos of kind of previous inaugurations in his, and kind of, yeah, not so many people. Now, you kind of wonder, is that what's going on here? You know, this talk of more people than ever, a big net, catching lots of people, joining the kingdom of God. Well, actually, how many people are there? We've got a crowd. It's probably a big crowd, I don't know. 100 people, a couple of 100 people. Proclaiming the kingdom of God, it starts on this lake. But, you know, it doesn't finish here. This is just the beginning. To see how big it gets, we've got to go to the end of Luke. We keep going here, but this is important. Luke chapter 24. Verse 
Luke chapter 24, where Jesus launches the disciples kind of out of Luke's gospel into the book of Acts, which is Luke part two. Let's see how Jesus talks about what has happened, what must happen and what's going to happen. Uh, Luke 24, verse 45. Then he opened their minds so they could understand the scriptures. He told them, this is what is written. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day. And repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. I'm going to send you what my father has promised, but stay in the city until you've been been clothed with the power from on high. That's the Holy Spirit, beginning of Acts. So the end of the story, the end of of Luke, isn't the end of the story. Can you see that? Jesus is looking beyond the pages of Luke. So he goes, okay, the scriptures say that the, the Messiah must suffer and rise from the dead. Has Jesus done that by this point? Yeah, tick, fulfilled. Good job. Um, but it's still not the end of the story. What else is going to happen? What else, according to the Old Testament, must be fulfilled? Verse 47. The repentance and forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations. Jesus is saying, this is one of the promises of the Old Testament, that this message is going to go to loads and loads of people. Turning to God and being rescued like little fish. And now Jesus has died and he's risen. Things get going. The nets get cast out far and wide. He says, to all nations, beginning at Jerusalem. That's where it starts and it's going to go everywhere. So do you see how explosive and expansive the best year ever is? Jesus said in chapter 4, oh, it's not just for these towns. I'm going to have to go to other towns to preach. Jesus says in Luke 24, oh, it's not just for Jerusalem. It's not just for the Jews. It's going to go to the whole world. the best year ever spread and it came to you and me these centuries later and even that isn't the end of all the fishing because the fishing that happened in the Bible continues today we keep proclaiming repentance and forgiveness of sins so that anyone who hears can join the kingdom of God Jesus fishes he fishes today we fish with him I want to finish with two questions for you And low battery. So let's make this quick. Two questions. First, are you a fish who's been rescued? Have you heard the word of Jesus, the word of God, to leave behind, this is repentance, leave behind your life of sin, of rebellion and brokenness and captivity and turn to God for freedom and life and forgiveness and a relationship with him forever? Has that happened to you? Because Jesus came to rescue as many people as possible, which includes you. You are not too far away for him. It's not like Jesus going, you know what, I've filled my net. I'm pretty happy with the amount of people in the kingdom. I'm not sure I've got room for you. Can you see that Jesus has lots of room for as many people, including you? So he can give you life. He can rescue you if you trust in him. So are you a fish who's been rescued? Second question. And you'll think about this a little bit more in your studies. Are we fishing for as many people as possible? Because this is, a, this is an exciting thought. We just saw in Luke 24 that Jesus is saying, 
The Old Testament still has to be fulfilled that the gospel is going to go to all nations. The globe church gets in on that. We're part of the fulfillment of Luke 24 of the gospel going to all nations. One of our core values as a church is to be missional. That means we have a mindset of mission, telling people this good news, confidently living to make Christ known. The globe church is a fishing church. So tonight, I want to challenge you. In your witness to your friends, to your colleagues, to neighbours, to family, could you be casting the net wider? Are there others for you to go to? Others for you to love, to proclaim, to talk to? Are there others for us as a church that we could be pushing out to with the good news? What practical steps could you take to fish for more people that they might live? Maybe you need to change how you spend your spare time. Change how much time you spend with your housemates. Change your hobby. Start a new hobby. Meet some people. Where do you have lunch? Who do you have lunch with? Take out your headphones. Talk to someone. Do something to cast the net wider. But let's think about it as a church too, because Jesus wants his good news to go, Luke 24, to the nations. Because we can't keep this best year ever to ourselves. You don't do that with the best year ever. You tell people. I was in the park with my daughter Rosie the other day. And um, there's an Indian lady there who had red dot on her forehead. And so my three-year-old Rosie says, why she got a red dot on her forehead? Normally she does that loud and in front of people, but she did this a little bit later, which was kind of her. Um, and I said that she's a Hindu, which means uh, she, she doesn't know or love or follow Jesus. She follows other gods. And Rosie said, why doesn't she love Jesus? Why doesn't she know Jesus? I said, well, maybe no one's told her. Maybe no one's told her. And you know there are over a billion Hindus in the world. Most of them in India. What would it mean for us to get into the boat, on the plane, to spread the net wider for people who will live and die without hearing? Joining in with people like Eddie in our church, who's, who's sending money and resources to help the church in India, to reach out to those Hindus. What could we do as a church to spread the net wider? Let's pray and ask for God's help in this. Our Heavenly Father, your kingdom is so good. We've tasted how amazing it is to be known and loved by you, to be in your kingdom. To have you rule our lives, to rescue us from our headlong path into destruction. The way you rule us so wisely, the way you love us so tenderly, the way you care for us through suffering. Oh, your kingdom is incredible. It's the best. We thank you for your big and generous heart. That you should spread the net as far as London. That we should know. That we should hear. That people told us the gospel. People fished for us. Thank you so much for catching us and giving us life. I pray, Heavenly Father, for your help through your son Jesus, who is the one who can fish. That you would use us, please, as instruments in your hands, as fishermen in your hands, to make Christ known, to proclaim this good news fearlessly, courageously, compassionately, to as many people as we can. Pray that the Globe Church would reach out this year in mission to more people than ever, because that is who your kingdom is for.
We know that that is your vision, that is your heart. Lord, make it ours. Help us now, Lord, as we go further into this passage, seeing Jesus engage with these disciples and make them fishers of men. Would you stir our hearts and help us together as a church to be obedient to the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.